TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Stories of that game and what happened in the clubhouse is just fantastic. There's no game that can bleep you like this one. <laughs> it's Roycey on baseball. Let's go here. Manny Hill and Racy here talking some baseball on Tuesdays as we uh, do every every week. Uh, Tom Kelly and Tim Kirkjian, the TK doubleheader coming up uh, after, after uh, Manny and I kick things around for a minute. So, you know, one thing that doesn't help the Twins in the market, Manny, even when they're 40 and 18 going into this Cleveland series. All the competition around town? No, it's the when the word gets out that they're in on Kimbrell and Keichel, and or in on whoever, mm-hmm. in on you, Darvish, right? Yeah. Then when they don't get uh, them, Then when they don't get them, you're cheap. Yeah. And somebody yeah, yeah. in the, you know, John Heyman is usually the source, and I don't know who John Heyman talks to with the uh, twins but basically he has the twins in on everybody and i think what we have here is somebody saying yeah we'd like to sign them we've reached out to their agent (laughs) and suddenly twins twins could sign both kimbrell and keichel and then if you get not neither of them those cheap pole ads. They never spend any money. They never, they're forty and eighteen, but they're still the cheap pole ads. Uh, we had a, I had an idiot on uh, Twitter uh, going crazy about that. Uh, they're not gonna. And I said back, I said, yeah, the, if they weren't so damn cheap, they could have gotten off to a good start this season. You know. <laughs> so anyway, I, I don't. I don't think uh, those. If if somebody thinks they're doing the. The twins. If, if somebody with the twins thinks they're doing the French uh, the uh, team a favor by saying, "Yeah, we, we we'd like to sign one of those guys," uh, and then it doesn't happen, right? They they're not uh, doing themselves any favor. It's so strange to me that this team could be doing as well as it is right now, and there's still people that just. Mm-hmm. Want to find a reason to be mad at them about <laughs> yes. something? There was somebody I saw somebody on Twitter uh, the other night when you, you know when uh, the Rays got it close and you know it was nine to seven and they were complaining about the look. I know the bullpen has issues. <laughs> yes. I know this bullpen is not perfect, yes. but they're forty and eighteen. Yes, they they're are 40 40 and, and they won. And they got everybody says uh, if they get Kimbrel, they can move everybody down. Well. They can move people down, but Taylor Rogers is better than Kimbrel. Yeah. So I mean, that's it's. Yeah. it's uh, I'd rather have Taylor Rogers, the, a lefty that good. He's an all-star lefty than Kimbrel. So uh, anyway, it is, and it, it is interesting. I think here's what's other also interesting. Why don't they use some of those profits they made earlier in the year, earlier in the target field, when they might have been making twenty? A million a year, or thirty million, whatever. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Ziggy's making two hundred million a year, <laughs> and nobody complains because uh, they're spending to the cap. Right? There's not a cap uh, in baseball, and I don't know why because the the pole lads have a lot of money in the bank while they are not entitled to make a profit. Right? You know, yeah, like why? and they keep pumping most of it back into the stadium and. Uh, you know, the, the the payroll hasn't been that bad. but and, uh, and we have seen, Pat, over the years, you can win both ways. I mean, we've seen, obviously, the Yankees go out and spend a lot of money, yes. and they end up winning a World Series or something like that, like they did in 2009. But we've also seen teams that spend moderately, 
that still put together a club that's good enough to to win a championship. And, and it's, it's there's no I don't know if there's really a perfect science to putting together a good club other than just getting and, good and players. The, and the reason the Yankees are fantastic and going to be fantastic is because of the players they've produced in the yes. farm system. Yes. That now they've made some nice moves. Gregarious, uh, LeMahieu, uh, other guys. They've brought in guys, Hicks. Mm-hmm. But the depth, this fantastic depth they have, yeah. comes from a fantastic farm system. Yeah. And that's, you know, eight or ten guys that most of them from the Caribbean have uh, are the reason that uh, the Yankees are going to I, I don't know, you know, their starting pitching isn't great, but uh, I don't know how anybody's going to stop them uh, when they playing in that bandbox. That, uh, you know, when they got all these guys who, if they hit the ball 80%, it, it goes out right. of that ballpark. So well, um, The other thing, too, is you look at, so everybody was mad at them, the Twins, because they didn't get you Darvish. Yes, well, thank God. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> if they would have gotten you Darvish... We and then gotten been... the production that the Cubs have gotten out of you, Darvish. Then everybody would have been ripping How them. How they be so stupid to, to give them all this money? Yes. And, uh, yeah, so anyway, it's... enjoy it. Enjoy it. Yes. We finally got some wonderful weather. Why aren't they home tonight? They should have. They should have called the Indians and said, "You want to come to our place this we'll week? Trade. We'll trade. We'll with trade you. you, and you're not going to have anybody at the games. Uh, come to our place. We'll get thirty five thousand, and you yeah. can you can have two thirds of the gate. How about that? That could have been. That could have worked out. Anyway, hey, TK, followed by TK. Uh, you're going to love it. Tom Kelly is uh, with us, uh, talking baseball here. Uh, the Twins of 2019 are breaking all the records of the 2001 twins for a fast start here when you uh when you look at uh you know best ever after uh 58 games that uh, 2001 team is the uh is the one that they're breaking the records of and uh kind of uh unexpected uh, success early that season too the uh unfortunate all-star game came along yes as you remember and uh our shortstop mr guzman who was uh, terrific and made the all-star team uh he came back from the all-star game and could not throw the baseball yeah and uh there's a couple different stories out there on how he hurt him hurt himself and uh i think he had an entourage go which is fine but I think he ended up picking up all the bags and suitcases and whatnot. <laughs> wow. And uh, that was one story. The other story is they were having a contest, see who could throw it uh, into the or over the roof. There was it in Anaheim, San Diego, wherever the hell it was. And uh, he uh, was participated and came back and couldn't throw the baseball. Unfortunately, we, uh, and Denny Hawking was a good utility guy. But you couldn't play him every day, and that was wrong. And and uh, we just couldn't replace the shortstop, and and uh, things deteriorated a little bit in that way. But uh, he was a he was a heck of a player then, right then, man. That was when he was the best he ever was. Yep. And uh, unfortunately, that was the end of that season for him. And subsequently, we finished second. But the boys were in position. That's for sure. 
Uh, the one you when when I look back at that team, the one guy who just I will I wouldn't say came out of nowhere, but certainly turned into a, a phenomenon for one year. There was uh, Joe Mays because uh, you Joe didn't. Mays uh, was uh, outstanding. He could throw the ball on the outside, inside. Uh, he could change the eye level pretty well, and and uh, unfortunately, uh, after that season, he tried. I think trying to be too cute and uh, trying to hit too many corners instead of attacking the strike zone a, a little, you know, better than he, you know, he just, I think he saw, if you remember, ESPN was in high gear and showing all the uh, home runs after, yes. uh, uh, during the evening hours, and, and uh, I don't think he liked seeing his face on ESPN. <laughs> And I don't think he was the only one. No. And so uh, subsequently a, a number of pitchers in the league started really trying to dance on the inside or outside and trying to be really cute, and things deteriorated some. And I do believe he hurt his arm, too. I uh, remember, uh, well, I also, yeah, he had the elbow thing, and he ended up having the elbow problem. But I remember, you know, he was coming off two losing seasons with losing with losing teams, and he was seven and fifteen in two thousand. And I remember uh, just having to wander over to a backfield uh, in late February, and he was throwing a session there of live hitting, and you were over watching, and your excitement level of seeing that sinker was uh, off the charts. And I said, boy, uh, the manager likes this guy because he had the movement. Yeah, he Joe was a, a good guy. He, he could have taken care of himself a little bit better, too. Uh, he was a fast food junkie. <laughs> we all fall into that trap on occasion. But uh, Joe uh, was a regular in that drive-through from what i understand and we tried to get him to eat a little better but his wife uh, didn't like to cook and <laughs> so uh he had the kids and oh boy but uh my best joe mauer uh, joe joe may story uh was uh he went to play golf down in in Sar- he lived down there in sarasota uh bradenton area and uh, uh my friend leo who you know uh, they had a big golf game on Tuesdays, whatever the hell day it was. He could and play, right? Joe, Joe Mays could play. Could play yeah. Joe shoots, and they got their skins game and quotas and all this stuff. And uh, Joe wins a couple hundred, three, four, seven hundred, whatever <laughs> it was. So the next week, he shows up with new clubs. Now, he had shot like 73 or 74 Something like that, and took all the money. He shows up with new clubs. Leo tells the story. I just laughed. He shows up with new clubs and shoots 106. <laughs> the following week, gives back the 700 he paid or 900 or whatever he paid for the clubs. That went plus plus plus. He had to reach into his pocket for more. So that's how bad you know Joe Mays. How do you shoot 74 and then go get new clubs? <laughs> what are you thinking about? You know? That's that's true. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Uh, that's true. You know the other mystery guy on that team, Louis Rivas, was a really uh, good player in those first uh, couple three years at second Boy, base. And why why couldn't he hit anymore after a while? I don't know what happened. Uh, I know he got a little bigger. Yeah, he did. But um, um, now whether that was part of it, I'm, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But Louis, I remember we the game at one o'clock would start 
in spring training. Okay, so I would on certain days I'd, I'd have uh, Rivas and Guzman come over to this uh, field next door field. Yep. Front. And and Louie, and now they don't speak English, and, and, and so I'm trying the best I can. I got Molly with me, and Molly trying to explain, you know, hitting one and two, because I think I hit them one and two uh, in the order for the most part. Uh, but, you know, giving the guy a chance to steal a base and maybe, you know, let's not think about trying to hit the hole right away. You know, back in those days, that's what we did. Yes. And But uh, that don't happen anymore. But, uh, <laughs> again, uh, trying to uh, give him a chance to steal the base. Now we can go ahead and try to hit one up the middle or to the right side and get him to third. And now we have a good chance to have the lead uh, with our third hitter, with the man on third. You know, the defense is going to play back and all that. And you just hit a grounder, you get the run in. But, uh, you know, but I... <laughs> Paul's looking at me, and I'm looking at Paulie, and I'm looking at the two kids and trying to just understand if they they figured out what the hell I'm talking about. But we go over there for three, four, you know, and then we go back to the stadium and watch the game. But but we spent a lot of time with those two fellows over on the side field trying to do some things and give them an understanding of what we're looking for. Because Louie could run. Yes, and uh, he could hit enough and and uh, get the ball and play and that sort of thing. And if Guzzi got on, you know, he was sort of magic uh, the way he could really run. So uh, uh, they were two fun players to watch develop. Planning for a secure future requires sound investment advice. That's why I rely on my guy, Mr. Money Talk, Josh Arnold, for guidance in planning and maintaining a long-term financial strategy. This is Ricey, and I've known Josh for many years. I trust Josh and recommend him because he listens and delivers the kind of service that you'll need to feel confident about your financial future. I encourage you to get to know him the same way I did many years ago. Call Josh Arnold at 952 952- 925-5608 and set up your 48-minute no-obligation consultation. Call 952-925-5608. You'll always get straight talk, not sugar-coated advice. Call Mr. Money Talk, Josh Arnold at 952-925-5608. Investment advisor services offered by Josh Arnold Investment Consultant, LLC, a registered advisor in the state of Minnesota. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All investments involve risk. So uh, you mentioned Joe Maurer, and we're about to retire his uh, number here, the Twins. Uh, so uh, you were uh, you you were no longer managing when he was uh, wind, uh, you know, the phenom at Cretan. Did uh, did they get you over to see him a few times? Did well, you see we, him in high school? I go over with Terry. Uh, we go over, and I mean it's it's eight ten deep. You can't hardly get to you know you can't see. So, <laughs> scouts, trying, you mean? Or you what? can't see. It was packed. <laughs> There's scouts and people. I mean, and we were, you know, you're 10 deep looking through heads and everything like you're trying to watch a parade. So I go, we go over and, and okay, here he comes. He's coming up to hit. And, uh, four, just go to first. I think high school back then had yeah. that rule. Oh, they let, just let you point to first. Just go. You know, here he, oh, he goes the first. <laughs> and so then they pinch run because 
they the catch I I guess they had rules to catch. Yeah, they could run for the catcher. Yeah. So they pinch run. <laughs> so, this happens four times. <laughs> they worked. Terry, what are we doing? <laughs> what are we doing here? <laughs> so you know he's catching. He's doing okay with the catching part and all that. You know nobody runs on him. Uh, you know, and the pitcher was, was pretty good for uh, Creighton, and and uh, so there was you know no reason to throw, and he didn't have to throw or anything, and so you, you know you watch him as the pitcher warms up to get to seven eight pitches, and <laughs> you watch him throw that one to second, but you know that's not the real thing. But I said Terry, he's not talking. He says I don't know. He says take this guy or. Uh, the pitcher from uh, where was he? Mark Pryor, yeah, Southern Cal guy, Mark Pryor. Yeah. And so I was sort of leaning towards the pitcher. <laughs> I, you know, you never have enough. And and uh, and uh, Terry said, "No, nah, I think we got to take this guy." And so I said, "Well, you can't. I don't know why I'm here, but it was a, I mean, two and a so half you hours never got wasted time. You never got to see him swing. Well, really. Never saw him swing. <laughs> never, never saw him really throw." Nothing, just seeing him catch, and, and, you know, you're peeking through heads, and, you know, I said, Jesus, this is bad. <laughs> I but, remember. Uh, the best story there was, I, I might have told you this story before, I'm not sure, but when I retired and, and went uh, to the minor leagues and doing stuff, the he was moving from A ball to double A, and Terry sent me in. Uh, the same day they were arriving, I think Durbin was in there, the real deal. Yeah, the real deal was a beauty. And he was in going, and Joe, and there was another guy going, too. I can't remember who, but he he wasn't bad. So I remember walking into the Clyburns, where the pitching coach and the manager, the two brothers, and I said, well, you just got uh, Stan. Stan was the manager. Yeah. I said, Stan, you just got smarter. In about another hour or so, when these fellows walk in, uh, you're, you're going to get smarter. And he says, "I hope you know, you know, good." So, because uh, they were three pretty good guys, you know, that yep. he's getting. But and uh, I remember Terry calling, like you know, the, ringing the phone, and it's the third inning. What he do? What he do? What what Joe do? I said, "Well, he hit the first couple over the dugout uh, the wrong way, you know, the third base side." I said, "He really didn't get her." hasn't caught up yet and uh so i call after the game and joe joe was late he was he just couldn't get the bat to the ball um he was hitting it but it was foul everything mm-hmm. was going on the left side and it was the sec second game i think the third at bat he he lined one the left field for a hit then the next at bat, he lined one the center, and then he finally the third, fourth at bat, fifth, whatever it was, he he smoked one to the right side. You know, so it took him like six at bats to catch up. <laughs> yeah, it was unbelievable, but uh, I was sort of shocked, especially after the first game where he was so late. But we go over to uh, over there by Billy Gardner's uh, home. Uh, they had a team over there by the casino, the big casino. What's that called? The Foxwoods. Yep. Yeah. So there's a team over there. I think it was the Giants. And the guy, the manager, I'm sitting there going to watch infield. And the manager from the the team over there, he, he comes over and introduces himself, which is very nice. But I wanted to watch the infield. Mm-hmm. And and uh, 
uh, he said, this power is pretty good. I said, yeah, he's okay. Mm-hmm. And he, he he says, well, it looks like he has a long arm throw to second. I said, well, you go ahead and try it. <laughs> he did about the third inning. And Joe throws the guy out. And I see him. He glances over at me. I go, here you go. You know, there's that long arm throw. <laughs> yeah, you go ahead and try it. Yeah. Yeah, it was funny. Oh, I laughed. But those things, they were fun. Uh, visiting the minor leagues and just watching the players develop and come along. So. Your your Mauer High School uh, scouting story reminds me of when I went out to watch Tommy Nevers, uh, the shortstop sure. at Edina, was going to be a number one. And he would, ended up being a high draft choice, sure. number one. But it was April 23rd. It was 38 degrees. Uh, there's uh, 35 scouts there. I uh, came up. Uh, he got. Uh, I think he might have gotten one ground ball, and uh, they was and they pitched to him once in, in four at bats. These guys are all sitting there freezing to death. And I right. says, "Why are you here?" And they said, "Well, we get to see him take infield." I said, right. "Okay, that's yeah, a, that was, that's yeah, good." I, but as there's, I sympathize with those scouts. You know, the, I guess the two the two fellows from Stillwater are, are probably going to get drafted. Yes. And yeah, those kids. The one yeah. kid might go higher, but uh, I know some people that like the other kid. I can't remember his name, but they like him in the outfield as well. So, uh, well, people will whine about the showcases they have now and everything, but it's certainly a better chance to scout these guys than you got watching them in high school. That's correct. Yeah, yeah they're, they're mandatory to a certain extent. The USA programs, uh, they, they're very popular and. And uh, you watch the Vanderbilt team, the most those young kids, the high schoolers, Vanderbilt seems to have an in on getting yeah. those kids over there. So it's uh, uh, the USA program is uh, uh, very, very popular and, and have some really good players. Uh, Maxwell, remember the Jason Maxwell? Yes, right. He, he ran the one team that won the whole thing uh, a year ago, I believe it was, or two years, whatever. Oh, national, one of those uh, yeah. showcase yeah, national one of, they, they have different ages, yeah. uh, 13 to 14 and 15 to 16 and whatnot, but in the 17s and 18s, I guess. But uh, uh, I forget which group he had, but he ended up winning the whole damn thing, so it's very impressive. So people uh, uh, for Jason, good pe- kid. People complain about uh, the uh, length of Major League Baseball games. They're sprightly compared to these college games, though, especially, oh yeah, especially when you get... Look over and see what the pitch to throw. <laughs> and the hitter looks at the, 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 in the dugout to find out what's going on and uh, whether he's allowed to swing or, or whatnot. <laughs> and, and, oh, God, it's all. You know, what happened to letting the kids play? It seems like the head coach or manager, uh, if you will... Uh, He's going to be the main attraction, and, and that's it. And, you know, you do what I say, and I don't know. I, I have a hard time with that, but uh, sort of like to let the kids go play. There's only a couple teams they were commenting on that uh, the, they allow the catchers to call the game. You know, who would you rather draft, a, a kid that's calling the game and has a little bit of an idea what's going on or a robot that is told what – numbers to put down on his fingers how many fingers to put down from the guy on the side so i don't know I, i'd rather let the kids just play the uh, the other uh you know the other thing about it is that uh 
when they get to the double elimination part and they've already used their two best pitchers, <laughs> it could go on for hours, man, because yeah, it's 15 uh, to 9, you know. Yeah, that nonsense. I don't know what you didn't see yesterday, but uh, the umpire ended up throwing the, the pitching coach out of the game. Oh, it was real buffoonery uh, going on. I don't know if he was arguing or stalling. Uh, they they thought he was stalling to get the uh, guy warmed up in the bullpen, but I don't know what the hell was going on, but the umpire finally threw him out of the game, which I thought was the right thing. And <laughs> Did, uh, then they called the balk, and they showed the replays. I still ain't seen it. <laughs> and the, the commentator was a former player. I can't remember his name, but he said, well, he says, I don't see anything that he did. But sometimes the umpires want to get involved. In the game. <laughs> it takes away from the players. Did you uh, did you see what Cincinnati they won the game did at Oregon State they uh, the first game there they won the game Oregon State won two and done yeah. but they walked the catcher with the bases loaded correct well he's going to be uh, is that number the, one pick right uh, I was thinking from the kid from Baylor okay uh, but uh, Cincinnati I didn't get to see them play. but uh, I don't know what the hell I was doing but I didn't get to watch Cincinnati but I, I was. The kid from uh, uh, Oregon State is is going to be, I guess, the first pick. But he yeah. he looks very talented. And of course, we saw him last year against the Gophers, and uh, he he looked like he was uh, the real deal. That's for sure. I, I saw were there that were pretty good. I saw Terry last year uh, when they were, you know, Maurer was getting near the end, and uh, he was scouting there. And I said, "They can ever be another one like this that uh, you know that it catches and hits like this." I, Posey was kind of. He says, "Yeah, maybe the kid from Oregon State next year." He said so. Uh, yeah, he's a, he thought that much of him. So Russ, Russ, Russman, or Ruchman or some dang thing. I don't yeah, know. he looked pretty, pretty good, pretty good player. But, uh, I'll tell you what's a charm. Move him, move him, get him from behind the plate so he won't get a concussion. So who knows what they're going to do. I'll tell you what's a chore is uh, covering the fast pitch softball, not because of the uh, competition. I like that. But the first names these gals have come up with now are driving me crazy. We had Silent Rain. We had Bubba. And we had, uh, I don't know, Ali La. I mean, it, it, it was very complicated. So, uh, teams, uh, some of them young ladies can swing that bat. My oh. goodness, great. Yes. So it was sort of, I watched a little bit of it, and I lost some interest when the Gophers uh, got beat. But, um, uh, but I watched a little bit of it, and wow, they come up and swing it. So it was very impressive to watch, especially it's, these top-ranked teams. They do pretty damn well. So It's, it's time it's time for our semi-monthly accolades about C.J. Crone, man. He's going to end up with about 110 RBIs the way this is going. All you could do is get the ball and play because there always seems to be men on base when yeah. he, he comes up, and and he's certainly delivering. Uh, there's no question about it. He's having an uh, all-star type uh, uh, first half, that's for sure. Uh, he's doing well at first. We commented on that already, and, and – uh, uh, what a nice surprise in the middle of that lineup uh, to have that guy. Uh, he seems like the uh, the foundation of the, you know, Eddie, uh, uh, sort of the, you know, you can sort of count on him doing something. So it's uh, he's been very impressive and, and uh, a terrific pickup by uh, the front office. Uh, excellent. Uh- yeah, he's uh boy, he's saying knock it in runs, he's gonna pass Rosario here pretty soon in that area. Well he's just been 
you know, he's hit some balls to right field, right center field. That's legal. And uh, especially with the shift, he just punches a few over there, and he hit, can hit it over the fence that way as well. So he's, he's having a, just a wonderful season, and I think he's surrounded by enough people where he really can't go too far wrong. And, you know, Kepler had a little bit of a rough go down there in Tampa, but I mean, there's still so many different guys in the lineup that can pick you up. So uh, that's one good thing about the uh, Twins lineup this year is that uh, a guy or two can go bad for four or five days and still you don't really notice too much because the others are uh, been terrific in picking each other up. So it's uh, uh, you always look up, there seems to be six, seven, eight runs on the board. Mr. Odorizzi seems to be doing pretty well too, uh, uh, TK. Properly motivated yesterday, pitching against his old team. That certainly can help, and and uh, he didn't fare well last year against the the Rays, but this year he certainly turned that tide, and he's been uh, just uh, you know you really can count on him to pitch at least five and you know six yesterday, I believe. Yes, and uh, so. Uh, but as we mentioned again last night, Patrick, when we talked uh, for a minute, the, uh, I still feel that the starters need to get into that game just a tad longer. And because uh, I'm just afraid of uh, August comes along, the bullpen might be a little worn down. But uh, uh, I sure hope they can start pitching six, six and two thirds, seven, you know, seven and a third, and and uh, make it a little easier on the bullpen. The nice uh, thing that uh, compared to when you were managing and certainly the guys who managed for Calvin, it's a lot easier to tell them to fly in a new pitcher than it was when you had you used to have a staff meeting to get a new pitcher in, right? Oh, my God. I remember sitting in a room. There'd be eight, nine, ten people in there. And and, and what a a day that was when we brought Kirby Puckett up. Oh, my. I mean, he's stelly. Uh, and my, we got out on a limb and said, we have a center fielder. We just have to bring him up. And, oh, my goodness gracious. I mean, it was like an act of Congress. Uh, <laughs> we were in Seattle, and I can't remember how many people were in the room, but it was, I know Mr. Brophy, he, he didn't want to, he wanted Puckett to stay in the minors longer. And and uh, we were, you know, we were playing Ron Washington out there at times. <laughs> Downtown Daryl Brown had driven you completely nuts by then, right? Oh, boy, but it, it you know, and, and even after that, uh, even when Terry was in charge, it, you know, you just didn't bring people up and down like they do now. It's nothing. Yeah. You know, the money is not an issue to fly these people around the country. So it's, uh, uh, you know, if somebody pitches four innings out of the pen, you end up going to the minor leagues. And bring somebody else to take his spot. It, it's uh, it's tough, tough business now, especially if you're on the fence there in the bullpen and being one of them guys, you know, you just uh, live out of the suitcase and go back and forth. But uh, it's better than nothing at all. So it's, uh, it's a new age of baseball, and we all know that. It's nice to get uh, Garver back in the lineup, too. Oh, I'm, I, yeah, Mitch is uh, certainly... Uh, been terrific and uh, his catching's improved which we thought it would and uh, uh, needs to get a little better yet but uh, he's I know working on it and his hitting's been just terrific and uh, the comments made about uh, and Castro's doing a wonderful job and, and of course uh, Pat's man 
Astadilio, <laughs> he's been, uh, uh, done very well. So the catching position is really uh, locked down solid, no question. Uh, Tom, talk to you in a couple of weeks. Thank you, sir. Yes, sir. All right. Uh, Manny, t- Manny, good luck with your write-it-down selection. <laughs> <laughs> it hasn't been going well for me, TK. You need a consultant. I know. They're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna like DFA card, me here pretty soon. My card. It says highly paid consultant. <laughs> All right. So Manny, if you need something, it's bring your checkbook. I will, I'll do that, TK. Thank you. Good luck with that. All right, sir. Thanks. Tim Kirkjian is with us, ESPN and ESPN.com, live from Oklahoma City, uh, where he uh, has uh, seen his college uh, softball World Series for the first time. And uh, Monday night uh, baseball tonight there. Uh, so what'd you think? Well, it was a great atmosphere. Uh, I'd never been here before. I was dazzled by how much everybody loves this event and this place. As you know, Pat, they're rebuilding it for next year. They're going to build more stands. More people are going to come in. Um, these girls really throw hard. <laughs> yes, they do. Yes, and, they do. And walking around that field, uh, it's amazing how close that pitcher is to the hitter. It's amazing how small that field is. I mean, the ball gets to you pretty quickly. And those girls are bigger, stronger, and I mean this as a compliment, bigger, stronger, and more athletic than I expected them to be when I got right next to them. And they could, they could really play this game. It was very impressive, but mostly it was just the atmosphere uh, college softball is a big deal around here, and they yeah. loved it all last night. Well, they pretty much uh, give ESPN uh, a lot of the credit for making this into a fantastic event. The uh, coach at uh, Arizona, who's in his 34th season, said, uh, you know, ESPN started doing every game early in this century and uh, instead of just the championship game. He says that in the Southeastern Conference, you know, they didn't have a championship till 1997, and now they had all 13 of their teams in the bracket. So when, once they made a financial commitment to uh, fast-pitch softball, that changed a lot of stuff. Yeah, and we brought baseball tonight there last night for the first time. So I guess that's just another reminder that College softball, women's college softball is growing, and it was great fun last night. I can't wait to see what happens tonight. Now, it might have thinned out a little there in the stands uh, as Oklahoma slipped behind 16-3 to there in the game. The, the hometown team or the home area team uh, getting beat that bad might have taken a yeah. little of the fun out of it. Right. So. The, the other thing I gathered, though, Pat, and I'm sure you know this and everyone else does, I'm the last to figure it out, is most of the runs are scored in these college softball games with a home run. Oh, yes. Uh, so, in other words, you're it's like watching a Major League Baseball game, isn't right, it, Tim? Right. There are a lot of strikeouts. There are a few walks. There are a lot of home runs. And if you don't hit it out of the park, you don't have much of a chance to win. That struck me last night, how women's college softball very much mirrors the big league. Uh, so uh, why don't you read on the first round of the uh, of the uh, MLB draft, we uh, we kind of uh, stayed away from the uh, high school pitcher who's going to want uh, over over uh, slot to uh, to sign uh, to, to not go to some highfalutin college where he has a scholarship. It looked like. Yeah, and again, I think teams now, Pat, are looking at. Who's the closest to playing in the big leagues? What can we do with this guy, and how quickly can we do it? 
So when the Oregon State catcher goes number yes. one, as, as he should have, the Orioles, who don't have a catcher and are in tremendous trouble, they say, well, let's get a guy who can help us as quickly as possible, a college, a polished collegiate player. And that makes all the sense in the world. And with our, you know, we're so impatient now of getting guys to the big leagues. and We're spending so much money on them now, much more than it used to be to sign them. They want a return on their investments. I'm not sure this is the best way to go because so many kids get to the big leagues because they're rushed and they're not ready. But I'm all in favor right now of taking a college player who's 22 maybe and really has an understanding how to play rather than waiting for an 18-year-old pitcher to develop. It's such a hard game. I'll take the immediate return, and that's what I think we saw a little bit more often in this draft. Uh, late in the uh, season last year when Joe Maurer announced he was going to retire, Terry Ryan was there scouting the game, and I said to Terry Ryan, you know, when are we going to have the next hit-and-catch guy like Joe Maurer uh, was? And he said, maybe next year. <laughs> he was uh, very impressed with the Oregon State kid. So, uh, yeah, yeah. And, again, switch-hitting catchers, Pat, hard to find anyway. No switch-hitting catchers in the Hall of Fame. I'm not suggesting this kid is going either. But when you when you find a kid who can catch and throw – Hits from both sides and hits with power. Uh, I think that's another reason he was picked number one. And he's not six five like Maurer and Weeders, so he might not get beat up quite as uh, bad as uh, right. As those and I'm guys told his, his attitude's off the charts. He's Buster Posey, and that all works in his favor, also. Except they, uh, except he was supposed to be in the College World Series, and they got beat two and done out there in their own ballpark by Cincinnati and somebody else. I don't know who, but uh, they got right. beat. They walked him with the bases loaded. <laughs> How about that? So it's a Josh Hamilton, Barry Bonds, and Adley Rashman. So really cool. Yes. Uh, so the uh, Twins uh, last Thursday go down to Tampa, get uh, humiliated and uh all of our fans up here who think this is a uh, football season and not a baseball season, in a state of panic, this is what happens when you play a good team, and then they won the next three down there. So uh, it's uh, Right, and they, they beat them up pretty good down there. And Tampa Bay's got a good club, Pat, as we know. But they're, you know, that Tyler Glass now is not going to pitch till after the All-Star break now. So they have a rough stretch coming up, and the Twins didn't make it any easier. And just another reminder, Pat, what the Twins are doing. You all know it there, but this is 26 games in a row, three runs or less. I mean, three runs or more scoring. Um, you know, teams just don't do that anymore. In this all-or-nothing game, our best teams get shut out all the time or, or held down all the time. And at least at the moment, that's not happening to the Twins. That's another reason to like what they do. Yes, they hit it out of the ballpark more than anyone, but they also find a way to score runs when they're not hitting it out of the ballpark, and that's why you better get a few because you know they're going to get a few or a whole lot more. Tim, uh, we've talked often about the difficulty of hitting a baseball, and there's nothing like it. Uh, so on another Twins note, Royce Lewis, uh, the number one draft choice from a couple of years ago, a great kid, smart kid. Boris uh, really endorsed him even be, you know, after he signed, was uh, telling me how uh, wonderful he was. Well, he is experiencing his first failure at the grand old game down there. I think his, uh, he's had 
two hits and 40 at bats and he's striking out half the time and uh, Lavelle uh, Neal was down there I talked to him last night and he was he was taking the first pitch then he was falling off the second pitch and then he was swinging at the third one 12 feet off the plate just like Buxton went through it's uh it's a tough game man if you don't have that perfect swing right well I swing a million times bat, and I always get yelled at. It's the hardest game to play. I don't care what anyone says. This is example number 10 billion. Everybody struggles like this. I'll never forget when Bryce Harper showed up at spring training for the first time. He's 18 years old, and he does some unbelievable stuff in spring training. And Ryan Zimmerman, great guy, really good look at things, University of Virginia. <laughs> told me, I've never seen an 18-year-old swing the bat like this kid can. And then he said, I, I just hope he goes and fails somewhere at some point because he needs to fail somewhere because the game is just too easy for him right now. So, so much better to fail somewhere in the minor leagues and understand what it's like and how you get out of that. Because if you fail for the first time in the big leagues, it's a whole lot different. So that Royce Lewis is now understanding, all right, I'm not the best player on the field for the first time in my life. <laughs> what what do I do now? And the great ones always figure it out. I am certain that he will, but I think it's a good thing for him. He'll disagree at the moment, but let's find, find out now what he does with adversity. Tim Kirchner is with us. Uh, so what are the Yankees going to do when they start getting these guys back? They... Uh... I mean, LeMahieu's the all-star second baseman, for goodness sakes. And uh, what are they going to do when these guys start coming back? Well, they have some really difficult decisions to make. Uh, it's the old cliche. They're good, hard decisions to have for Aaron Boone. But uh, Torres has got to play yes. somewhere. Yes, yes. Didi is going to play <laughs> yes. a lot unless he yes. knows that he can't. Aaron Boone lost. Aaron Boone has looked at me three times, Pat, over the last two years and said, Didi is so good. <laughs> he's, he's so much better than I, I thought he was, and I always thought he was good. He is so good. He's going to play. When Judge comes back, he's going to play. LeMahieu has to play somewhere. <laughs> they love him in New York, right? They think he's, he's a, Yeah, he never says a word. He doesn't <laughs> speak to anyone. He just gets a bunch of hits and moves on. <laughs> and he can play multiple positions. My guess is he's, he's going to play multiple positions, and he's going to play every day. First base, third base, second base for a day while Torres goes over and gives Didi a rest. The guy I'm, I'm really interested to see is Giancarlo Stanton, who's got an unusual swing, to say the least. He's had some great success in the big leagues, but he's also one of the easiest outs in baseball. When he's not swinging well, we have to see how he does because he's the guy who's mainly going to be a DH when he comes back, and they have other guys yep. who need to be the DH in order to get there at bat. So it's, you know, and then there's Clint Frazier who can really hit, <laughs> and he really can't play the outfield, so they have to figure out what are we going to do with him. Uh, it's uh, it's an embarrassment of riches, Pat, but it's going to be tricky to see what they do. Tim, I'm looking at the standings in the National League. I mean, obviously the Dodgers are head and shoulders above everybody else in the rest of the league, but everybody else seems to just be kind of bunched together in the standings. Who is going to be buyers and who are going to be sellers at the when we get towards uh, July 31st in the National League? Because everybody's kind of jumbled up together right now. 
Yeah, and if you look all across baseball, let's face it, I think three divisions are already over, and I think this is going to affect the trade market because those teams that say, hey, let's get that guy that can get us over the hump, maybe we can win the division. Well, three divisions, nobody can say that, at least not in my mind. And therefore, I think it's going to be harder to make a trade at the deadline. And those teams that are thinking, well, we're going to sell, we're going to continue this rebuild, I I hope they're not in for a big disappointment here because I just don't think it works like it did last year. There are some really good teams out there, and I don't see a fringe team going out and making a huge deal for somebody just to try to get the fifth playoff spot and lose in the wild card game. So I, I think the abundance of really good teams right now and these huge gaps between really good, really bad might seriously affect the trade deadline. Tim, uh, fan-wise, I've always felt the San Diego was the most underserved market in the last 40 years, probably. And they uh, now have it all to themselves. There's not a basketball team, there's not a major league hockey team, and there's not a football team. And I was very... I, 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 I love the place. I was very kind of excited when they signed Machado. And now they're, they're a disappointment. And, uh, I, I hope that this isn't going to be another ownership group that says, okay, we got to get rid of everybody like they generally do if they're ever disappointed. Yeah. It's, it's a strange situation out there. We, we, we did a little thing at ESPN, like an in-house look at, you know, ratings and how television works. And I think I remember correctly that the number three market, number 30 market in the major leagues for interest level like nationwide is the Padres in San Diego. And they're <laughs> trying to do something about that with Hosmer and now with, of course, Machado and Fernando Tatis Jr. and some of the moves they make. But they're in a difficult spot right now. At least Manny broke an 0 for 18 last night with a grand slam, so maybe he'll get going. But I'm willing to give them a full season here once Tatis returns and see where they can take this because they have some good young hitters on that team. This Fran Mill Reyes guy has great power. Hunter Renfro has great power. So I think they're doing this the right way. But if ownership is going to be impatient and saying, hey, look at all we did. We're supposed to beat the Dodgers. No, you're not supposed to beat the Dodgers. They're still way better than you are. And if they pull the plug on this, redo, then I think they'll be making a tremendous mistake. Well, somebody, when I was complaining about nobody going to Padres games 10 years ago when I was out there on a gorgeous night on a vacation, they said, listen, we got the ocean to the west, we got the desert to the east, we have Mexico to the south, and we got the Dodgers and the Angels to the north. We're surrounded here, you know, even with all those people. Right. It's not a great situation there, but you're right. It's a beautiful ballpark. It's the best weather ever. And now let's just see if they can start to play to the point where they can continue this, continue to act as they do have a great farm system. Pat, those young pitchers are on the way. It'll be real interesting to see how patient they are with the process. Are you uh, leaving OKC today? Well, I'm watching until this is over. So if UCLA okay. wins tonight, I'm going home tomorrow. If Oklahoma wins tonight, I'm going home on Thursday. 
So I am going to watch it till it's done. You're about 10 minutes away from Leo's Barbecue. I want to tell you that. I recommend Leo's Barbecue highly. Old-time barbecue joint. Uh, pretty dang good. All right. Well, I'm going to be eating here this afternoon, so... Maybe Leo's the destination. Check out Leo. Say hello to him for me. I became a regular, and I was there five <laughs> days. So, all, all right, Timmy. See you. Talk to you in a couple of weeks. Okay, Pat. Take care. Goodbye.